Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. The bad seed, the broken seed, the bad apple, the bad attitude, hanging around a bunch of bad, 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 team, bad, lie, bad, dude, bad, 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 We are chilling the most relevalacial right across the river and through the woods from where grandma picks up a big sack and rolls fatties before she drinks whiskey sours before dinner in New York City. The big apple, ooh, people dressed in plastic bags, directing traffic, some kind of fashion, shake it up, she do be all my friend that come around, fun to fun to party, hug rats on the west side, bed bugs uptown. What a mess, the times are tattered. My brains are splattered all over Manhattan, she do be shake it up. All right, for all with you, uh, this guy, how about this guy? Unbelievable. We finally got him on coast to coast. He is the funniest man ever. And he's a whack job. He is completely insane. He does stand-up comedy, and you may have heard him, like millions of others, on the Howard Stern Show. He is my dear friend, Shuli Agar, from Sin City to Megadaha, beautiful down in Las Vegas, baby. So uh, we're going to talk to Shuli who does everything. He does all the funny bits with, uh, you name it, on the Howard Show. Like, I mean, all the whackbackers. He's done the funniest stuff in the history of radio. So, Shuli and I used to work together there, and uh, I was enamored with his humor, and he would come in and do the show with me, like, regularly. He became, like, a staple, if there is such a word, on the show. He became a fixture on the show. He was constantly doing uh, the Pharrell show because he was just so uh, funny and he cracked everyone up. I mean, to the point of absolute, you know, literally going to the bathroom in your pants funny and, you know, pooping your pants and things of this nature. And then just literally uh, tearing up and laughing and spitting and, and just, we couldn't function as human beings with this guy in the room. Uh, the other thing I like about Shuli is, is that he, uh, loves the Pittsburgh Steelers. So we'll find out all about how that came to fruition. Someone had to have beaten that into him at some point or another. Uh, as a child, something went horribly wrong. I have to hear that story. But here he is, the great Shuli Agar. Shuli, how you doing, buddy? Now a uh, married man with a bunch of kids. I knew you when you were smoking fatties and just rolling single like a ZZ Top. 
Oh, yeah, man. Uh, I mean, you remember all the tail I wasn't getting back then. You remember? <laughs> it was just uh, truckloads of it. <laughs> Thank you for the beautiful introduction. Uh, that What you described there, all those beautiful things, that's called the peak. Uh, I reached it. It's all downhill with no breaks since then. I've lost all the funny. I have nothing to offer. Uh, I have nothing to bring to the table. I'm a dad now. I'm I'm trying to keep the wife and the kids happy and healthy. And I got animals here. And uh, so the one thing that hasn't changed is I am still blazing huge fatties because I have no way out. Okay. No way out. This is so it. when you. Uh, before we did the show, yeah. you, heard me, <laughs> you heard me actually say to Carver, hey, turn on the, uh, the radio show and see how it sounds. <laughs> and that didn't go well for me, did it? No, it's like you asked him, hey, uh, take all your clothes off and go hug some people with COVID-19. Like, I mean, what the hell, dude? We have some pride in your work. <laughs> like you're working at a sweatshop. You know, like, <laughs> I go, hey, I go to, eat, hey, turn on the radio show. <laughs> Check it out. All right, if I have to, I guess. I mean, whatever. <laughs> Is there an animal you want me to slaughter instead? I'd rather do that. <laughs> you uh, Hey, you got like a baby something I can just throw at a fence? I'll do that. I got to check the show. No way. So he has to, he has to uh, babysit uh, his daughter. She is really cool. So this kid's like three years old, something like that. And uh, so whenever I say, she goes ballistic, like a yeah. pinball machine. I mean, yeah. she is bouncing off walls, doing flips off furniture, landing. Doing full splits, doing uh, gainers. Uh, she's grabbing, th- pulling hair. She's like, she's an animal. But whenever I do the shayao, she goes crazy. Uh, so he knows what it's like. Cause like uh, his wife, Hot Nicole, works. She's a nurse and she's, uh, uh, you know, on the front lines of the Pharrell Demic. And bet she's-, she's happier to go to work than he is. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but she's. She's doing cartwheels out the door. This guy, it's like a death march. What the hell? I put I used to push fat people in wheelchairs at the airport. You didn't see me, you didn't see me, you know, putting together a mass shooting list. What the hell's wrong with you? Cheer up. Did you uh, did you work at the Vegas airport? Oh my god. It was like cuz when you when you get the job you're thinking, well, hey, I took the job cuz they didn't drug test number 1 and two, uh I was I was learning to be a stand-up comic, so I figured handicapped people in a wheelchair, they're a captive audience. They're not going anywhere. I can try out bits on them while I push them. And uh and the reality of it is that no handicapped people really want your help. If they don't need it, they won't ask for it. The the only people who uh, who who ask for pushers and I it's 2020 you know this is a very sensitive time so I'm just gonna try and say this as politically correct as possible. Uh, the only people that ask for pushers are uh, fat uh, giant tubs of garbage who uh, have given up on life and and think that it's normal for a human being to be an engine for them 
uh, and push them on carpet. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if you ever pushed 400 pounds of flesh on carpet. It sucks, dude. It sucks. And then they tip you 50 cents when it's over. I'm covered in sweat. I can't talk. Here's 50 <laughs> cents. Uh, thanks a lot. So what other jobs did you have uh, growing up in Las Vegas? Because, uh, you know, what did you think of, uh, you know, you're one of the cool people. Uh, I have a lot of friends, and, you know, I lived in Vegas. Yeah. Uh, you and I, I have always seen eye to eye and, uh, like, have been bros from the minute we met. And, uh, I, you know, just even the fact that I lived there, you and I, that just made you like me even more. You're like, oh, my God, you lived in Vegas? Because most people, they move to Vegas, right? They don't. They're not from Vegas. They move there. They're a transient. It's a last stop, dude. It really, it's a last stop for a lot because a lot of people I've met, they their selling point was like, I found out you could drink in public and I moved here. You know, that's never a good selling point when you're well, moving listen, your family. But, but a lot of guys that I know, like I knew two buddies and I lived with them, in fact, at one point. So I moved out there to do Sports Entertainment Network. I was on SEN. I was going to be right. nationwide on radio. So I had this gig, and I'm working at Bally's Sportsbook. And at 3 in the morning, which was 6 East, 3 West, I was there 3 to 7 West. And believe me, you, at 3 to 7 West in the Bally's Sportsbook, oh. I mean, several winners uh, slouched over in chairs in that building. At, you want to at talk three about whack pack. Yeah, I mean, that is <laughs> That and a Greyhound bus depot are the two tops locations to find new recruits. Right. So I, so I'm living with these dudes. I'm living on this dude's uh, couch. I was like, whatever, 25, 26 years old. And uh, they ended up, both of them ended up, and I just remember just smoking all this guy's stuff and just devouring all their blow and everything. And then all I remember was, uh, is that, I ended up, you know, doing the show there, and then I moved to work for CNN in Atlanta, and I, right. so I was there like a year or whatever, and then I was gone, but they lived there, those two stayed there for the rest of their life, like my yeah. buddies, uh, Gambling Kenny, mm -hmm. and my friend Robert, they both still live in Vegas, and they've both been there 30 years, but they weren't from Las Vegas. No. How is it that... Uh, you grew up there, and I know you're – tell me about your childhood, your family, your brother. I know you're one brother, Adi, right? Yeah, and, D, yeah. And, and uh, I used to call him Adi Da. Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Uh, one of his greatest memories in life is the Super Bowl party we attended with you in Vegas. Right, so, so I knew him. Were there other uh, brothers and sisters? Yeah, so I'm the youngest uh, of three. I have two older brothers, both uh, much more intelligent, much more successful in their trade. Uh, I was the black sheep of the family. We came over from Israel when I was four, uh, and uh, my parents, they had a hunch things wouldn't mellow out over there anytime soon. So they were like, let's get our kids out of here. You know, maybe the army isn't for them. And they they picked up, you know, and they uh, and they moved us to the States. And uh, I grew up out here. I went to school on the West Coast, uh, L.A., and then moved to Vegas for a little while. And that's when I really learned about life, man, was Vegas, because you really – Vegas Vegas is like living in a cartoon, first of all. Like anything's possible, right? There's no boundaries. There's no rule. Like it's 3.30 in the morning. I look at it. I go, Scott. You want to go indoor skydiving? And you look at me and you go, yeah. And and there's a place open 
ready for us to go <laughs> and put a helmet on and go indoors. That's insane. You can't wrap your mind around that. The the options there are endless. And for whatever reason, that's where I decided to start doing comedy was a city where you have a million options 24 hours a day. And the last thing you're going to choose is some open mic at some dive hotel or bar to go watch, you know, guys learning how to do stand up. Uh, what, but what was the what was the uh, the worst place you ever did stand up in Vegas? Like I when did, you start, I did a youth hostel once in downtown Vegas. It paid twenty five dollars. I was uh, and I wasn't even the headliner. I was featuring. I was featuring for a magician. This guy was 80, 80 years old, and his wife had to be like. I don't know, 70, and they're sitting in the front row. There's nine people. None of them speak English. They're all from Europe. And uh, and I'm up there, and I'm just bombing, and I'm looking at him, and he's falling asleep in the front row, the, the headliner, the magician. And now I'm on stage, and I'm going, I don't want to embarrass the guy. This is show business, after all. I don't want to embarrass the guy. Uh, and say that he's asleep in the front row. So uh, at one point, I just I look left, I look right, and I just grab the mic and I brought it really close to me and I just go, "Ladies and gentlemen!" I screamed it as loud as possible, and he shot out of his chair. Almost had a but guess who was ready to come up on stage and perform? And he went up and and it was just it was terrible. It was one of those shows where I'm like. That drive home where you're like, you know, we don't need to do this. We're choosing to do this. We can choose to not do this if we want to. It's that bad, you know. But I've listen. It doesn't end. Like I've I've been doing stand up now 20 years. I'm I'm touring all over the country. I'm finally selling tickets, which is such a long road in this business to do. And the shows are still nightmares. They're still nightmare shows. There's private gigs that I accept to do because I can't turn down money. I'm addicted to it. Gigs <laughs> that I know are going to be disasters. And I'm like, well, I can't turn that down. And they are. I did a private party in a guy's backyard. My stage was the sandbox where the jungle gym was in, the swing set, the slide, and the, and the spotlight was a uh, sensor light outside his house, and it would just go off. And some tall dude had to wave his hand and get it to come back on in the middle of my show. And it was just... How did you, did the people like you in the uh, yard? The people that were listening, the people, the rest of the people, they didn't come to see comedy at a at a barbecue. <laughs> They're like, "What is this idiot doing here?" Uh, I had the one of the worst ones ever was a, a private gig. This guy emails me, he goes, "I'm a Jew, you're a Jew," and already I'm like, "I'm not getting paid for this." Am I right? <laughs> but uh, no, I go. He says, listen, I'd love for you to do stand-up in, in my home. What would it cost? And I shot him a crazy number, and he goes, let's do it. I said, great. So about two weeks out, I get an email from him. He goes, listen, there might be some kids there. Could you keep it clean? And uh, and I'm like, yeah, no problem, right? Then, then I get another email. He goes, we're looking for you to do about 45 to 60 minutes. And I'm going, well, I don't have five minutes of clean material, much less 60 right? <laughs> But I'm locked in. I need this money. So I'm like, yeah, no problem. I got 60 minutes. And then the next email was like, my uncle's coming. He just beat cancer. Uh, my aunt 
is going in for chemo. There's going to be a rabbi there. I go, how many obstacles do you want to set in front of me? So I go to this game. I walk in. And uh, the guy goes, you want a drink? And I go, no. And, and he goes, well, you're on after the rabbi. And I'm like, give me a drink now, you know. And I chug a Jameson. <laughs> and I, I bombed in this guy's living room for 45 minutes. I mean, it was the most uncomfortable. There was a 12-year-old kid just playing a game on his phone. And like. 12 minutes in, I did a punchline to a joke. Nobody laughed, and the kid just went like this. He just went. <laughs> and just kept playing the game. Didn't even look at me. And I started jokes that were filthy that I knew I couldn't finish. And I'm like, and so instead of finishing them, I go, and you should hear what I said then. Anyways. Who else here is uh and it was just terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> so when you were uh when you were uh I respectfully I got two minutes. Yeah. When you were when you were in Vegas, um, you know, uh doing comedy and everything, but you still had to like uh function and eat. Uh, what were like cause I there's a lot of dives in Vegas that are I've talked about on this show before that are really good restaurants like Mafia and I, Arizona Charlie's buddy, they had a nice little special there at the coffee shop and the greatest Stevie Ray Van cover band, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughn cover band I've ever seen. No, there's no wait, wait, wait. There's no band better than Spandex Nation down on Fremont Street, the 80s hair metal band. And they then uh, Dupar's Pancakes is, is awesome. Uh, and then the Benny Siegel's in the Cortez is phenomenal. Which uh, you one's got, pink? You ever see them? Which one's pink? The Pink Floyd cover band? They're phenomenal. Phenomenal. So uh, there's a long, uh, I think they called it the uh, the Longhorn Steakhouse Legend, uh, yes. is like uh, Rat Pack ate there and, and Sammy Davis ate there. Were there any uh, restaurants that I failed to mention that were your favorite dives that ended up being great restaurants in Vegas? I got, uh, I got under a minute, Julie. My fault. We'll carry it over. So what do you think? No you know, off the top of your head? For me, it would have to be in Green Valley, uh, the Olive Garden, where I worked as a busboy. Uh, <laughs> what a hole! But uh, I'm I, sorry, sorry. What, what a what a dump. Uh, I, I mean, it was just, and I had to learn that dumb Hospitaliano song. It was just awful. You got to sing that for some. Just humiliating. All right, so uh, there you. Oh, the chicken Alfredo is fantastic. <laughs> they closed one around my house, and everyone was devastated because oh. people love the breadsticks. We're talking to Julie Agar from the Howard Stern Show on Coast to Coast. I mean, have we laughed enough for you today, huh? We're not laughing enough for you. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. 
Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Back on Coast to Coast with the great comedian, Julie Agar, from the Howard Stern Show. You know what's great about Julie is, so I asked... You know, uh, you know, I do a lot of, as you know, Julie, comedians on uh, my shows over the years. I love uh, comics. And a huge friend to the comedy community, and you, you know, funny, so you always have really funny people on. So right. I love, I love when you get into comedy. So I, I actually, uh, you know, I try to get, uh, you know, comedians on. I like you, Florentine, you know. Uh, Jameson, these guys, and, and Gino used to do the show a lot with us, Gino Biscani. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, you know, when when Brady was doing Howard's show, I thought to myself, because, you know, I had uh, Sizzle was was my guy, right? So, right. Uh, you know, he, he worked with the show or whatever, and I figured, you know, sports, uh, I figured, you know, <clears throat> I'll call him up and, and see if uh, he'd talk about the, the Brady interview, because, you know, I know Howard. I mean, let's face facts. So I'm thinking, you know, Howard's, this is getting massive national attention. It's just all over every channel, every, everywhere you turned, it was unavoidable. It was like, it was bigger than the, uh, Pharrell Demick virus. It was, (laughs) it was was gigantic. It was, it was the biggest story in America that he had on. Right. So I figured, you know, I'll get sizzle to, um, to come on and talk about it. But I had had Sizzle at one of my gigs in LA. I was in Lipstick City doing a show and he came over to the show and I bought him a couple of drinks. Uh, they were only $100 uh, at the uh, Intercontinental. I, I met him at the bar, I go, yeah, you wanna, you wanna have a drink? Go let's have a drink. And as you know, I don't drink anymore. It's highly unfortunate. But uh, I said to him, you want, cause, cause I live vicariously through others, drug and alcohol problems. Sure. And I said, hey, do you want a drink? He said, sure. So I get him a, uh, he got like a maker's mark, uh, you know, rocks. And then uh, I said, yeah, you know, you want another one? Here, have another one. So he has another one. And, and then the guy brings me the bill and it was $100. And I went, I, I went, Jesus. Christ. <laughs> what am I at? The crazy horse too? <laughs> I just love those strip clubs in Vegas. You're like, I'll have two bottles of water. They're like, yeah, ninety-seven fifty. So I said, so I said to the guy, I go, no problem. I tip him out. I, I'm walking up to the gig and I'm going. So we had to go do the gig, right? Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh my god, hundred dollars for I bought this guy two shots of whiskey, and then I. I never said nothing. I, and then I bring him into the room 
and we're we sit down to do the show. I think Carver High was with me, unless I'm mistaken. And uh, I think he was. And, and yeah, he was. Carver High was there. And I go, uh, yeah. So let's go. You're gonna go on the show, right? He goes, yeah. I'm not allowed to go on the show. And I was like, what? <laughs> He's like. He just like, used you for two drinks, dude. I'm here. I mean, what the hell? He, I, just, like, he just lied. This guy gets better. So he goes, yeah, I'm not allowed to do anything. And I was like, what? What? Like, what are you talking about? Like, who cares about you going on some sports radio show? Like, who gives a rat's ass? So the guy's like, yeah, man, can't do it. Uh, not allowed. So I forgot that that had happened, right? So I call him up the other day. Or I didn't call him. I just I just tweeted him because, like, you yeah. know, far me to get in the way of anyone's day so i just i just tweeted him or something and i think i texted you or call i called you thank god at least i at least i respect you enough to call you i i tweeted him and he's like yeah he goes uh i'd love to but there's no way they're gonna let me do it so uh, i want people to understand how cool shuli is i call cool (laughs) shuli up (laughs) he's all cool i go (laughs) i go hey shuli uh do you want to talk about you know your career and about Howard and about Brady and about all that. And then I go, yeah, Sizzle's not allowed to do it. And he goes, yeah, I'm just going to do it. And then <laughs> see what happens. I mean, what, you know, what are you going to do? Send me home? I'm home. <laughs> Can you, I don't remember this one. I don't believe in rules. And stuff. <laughs> I remember Rick Flair. Beatniks. I remember Ric Flair in the middle of the ring with the mic going, fire me. I'm already fired. Woo. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, By the uh, way, I watched uh, an old episode. Uh, was just, I think it was just last week, maybe uh, mafia on with you and uh, phenomenal work uh, by mafia. Not, Talking about sports, just standing still like a cardboard cutout the entire time. I thought that was phenomenal. I think Tampa's the right fit for him, personally. But that's just my opinion. But hey, keep your eyes on the Steelers. They're pretty tough this season coming up. If we have one, up. Oh, did I move my shoulder? I'll put it back down. Did I? But I did tell you before the show, I did tell you, don't move. Yeah, well, guess what, Carver? You're going to have to work a little bit, all right? I hear there's more enthusiasm in that kid's voice than yours. You're going to have to figure this out. <laughs> so, I mean, I, you know, Microsoft, you can make the box a different size, right? I'm not an expert. What did, uh, what did you think when uh, Brady was on his show and uh, – and he, he kind of really revealed himself a little bit. He, was he cooler than he normally is? I mean, it's just the credit to to Howard, really, and his interviewing skills. You know, he, he it's um he's taken it to the next level. And and there's people that, and he's done this consistently, consistently, especially with staff, that people who you would not think are going to be interesting <laughs> and makes them interesting, right? Still going back to the car. <laughs> you heard the three. You heard his three-year-old daughter. She was excited. I'm, talking, I'm, I'm talking about the cardboard cutout. Oh, oh, mafia. <laughs> I personally think you can play the entire season in Arizona. That is my thought. 
I miss making you laugh so much, buddy. I got to say. You, uh, go back to your story about Brady. I'm just, the whole time you were telling the story about Brady, I was losing it about the other thing. And Garber High wants to beat the crap out of you. <laughs> He's twice your size. Hey, listen, everybody's twice my size. Get in line, all right? But, so what hey, happened? So what happened? A gut shot. Nothing with the face. What happened when he was gone? Did you think it was cool? I thought it was great. I thought it was great because, you know, Howard has this ability to bring out uh, uh, the real side of people in these interviews and, and where people you didn't think were interesting are now super fascinating. And you're like, man, I'm going to really – you know, look more into this person or, or follow this or that. And I thought, I thought Brady was fantastic with the interview. Good sense of humor. I, that was great, man. It was a huge I get. Couldn't believe, I couldn't believe he talked about his wife called him out for being a, a lousy husband. Listen, welcome to the real world. Oh, as soon as I get off this call with you, that's what's going to happen upstairs to me. Okay. And how many rings do I got? None. So, you know, happens to the best of them. So, uh, What's funny is, is that uh, he doesn't like sports, Howard. So uh, it's amazing because he's smart enough. He's one of the smartest guys I've ever known in my life that he knows that that guy is a, a huge get. Like that's a crucial get as a guest. And he somehow, and I give credit to uh, Fafa Flowage. Gary Delabate is a, a genius producer and he's the best ever. He is uh, without a doubt, the best producer ever. I think my guys are incredible. I love them, but that guy's on a, a different cloud, and he's worked for Howard for 30 years, and he is able to manipulate those situations and, I guess, drive people nuts enough to get what he wants. He always wins. Am, am I fair to say? Yeah, and and uh, uh, I agree everything you said about Gary. Number one, also the fact that you know the Crafts and and the Patriots uh, were fans of the show for many years as well. So it was, uh, I think you know, with every bad comes a little streak of good, and and with this pandemic and everything going on, uh, it it's I think it made it a lot easier to make this happen sooner rather than later. And uh, it's great, man. But you remember when uh, Gary was on your show years ago? Yeah. Frank called him, and uh, <laughs> he thought he thought it was. I called him as a fan who asked him. He had mentioned on the show that he had cameras, security cameras at his house, and I uh, <laughs> and I asked if he had one in his bedroom so we could see him eating bananas in his cage, and. Uh, and then, he, and then he attacked me. He goes, you know who I hate is this crappy comic from Vegas. And <laughs> and I call back like two minutes later and I go, hey, man, that wasn't even me. Like, what are you attacking me for? I, I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> and I'm like, I go, somebody told me you're saying I'm a crappy comic. I go, you never even seen my stand up, man. You shouldn't say that. And he goes, I'm sorry. I thought you had called and. <laughs> I go, no, it wasn't me. I go, and you should really get a camera so we can see you in your cage. I would love that. <laughs> so people don't know, and I'm hoping that uh, they don't tell him, but uh, you have done millions of prank calls over the years on my show to uh, various <laughs> I mean, your show, I got to tell you something. Your show was like a radio class, but it was live on the air. Like, I... I literally it cost me money to do your show because I would get a hotel room at the uh, crack apartments. Remember those places <laughs> right right there. And I would stay the night because I'd have to get up early for a stern the next day. 
but I stayed because from five to midnight or whatever, you would just rage eight to midnight. You would just rage on there. And the first time seeing you do your show, I'd never seen anything like it. And I learned so much about like improv radio and working without a net and like just throwing stuff at the wall and trying stuff out. And you were so good with that, man. Like I learned so much hanging out and doing your show with you. You were, uh, you were so funny with Haro. I mean, to tell oh, you, people I, don't I just realize, I think that, uh, you know, when Florentine does Ed, uh, yeah. special or whatever, that's, that's classic. Can you do the, uh, just, just, uh, do your imitation of, uh, Steve and Bayside. Mm-hmm. Hello? Hello? Is this Har- Haro? Hey, um, I heard a rumor that, um, your head's so big that when you go, uh, get a haircut, your, um, barber has to bring his passport when he walks around. Because it's huge. I'll hang up and listen off air. No, you know what's great about that is is that uh, it drove him absolutely oh. mad. Like to you this, remember one time he was day. on the show with us in studio, and I was in studio, and I left and called from another room as Steve from Bayside pissed him off, and then came back on the air with him in studio. And he didn't know. No, I had no clue. It was. I always said to my friends. This is the longest running prank uh, in the history of entertainment. <laughs> but it's actually, uh, it's still happening. Uh, you know, the thing is, is that uh, he still does the show every Monday. He's on this network as well. And he... Um, the network hasn't tipped to one side no, since he's joined? No, but I will... Giant cranium? No, but he has... What's funny is, do you remember when he came into the studio and we shaved him because he had the hairiest chest and back in the history of the world, like a a wool sweater? I remember that. I remember that moment in the show. It was really funny. (laughs) I have to blink. Is that allowed? Can I blink? So, (laughs) (laughs) my goal is to piss everyone off with you today. No way. So the guy. Uh, he now has grown a Chris Kringle beard during the pandemic, so he refuses to shave, and it's 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 just literally bleach white, like just absolutely Santa Claus, and he's got it. It's just going everywhere like Jesus. But he's you know tan. He's from uh, Jupiter, where uh, Kraft went to the massage parlor. Uh, that's where uh, you know he lives right down the street in that rich neighborhood. That's where all the tiger got popped. Uh, Larusa, all the people that have been popped. DUIs, massage parlors, they're all from that rich area right there on the Gold Coast in, uh, you know, Palm Beach. And then with those high socks up to their right. knees. And so um, he's he's still rocking it. He's it's so funny. And he's a good friend. He's been on my show forever for like a couple of decades. And that uh, that it just all I have to do is mention that guy's name and he gets his, his blood pressure goes up. He's, well, you remember how it all started was he was supposed to go to a game with you and then or no, he's supposed to go to dinner with you and he blew you off. And then you saw him courtside on TV at the game. And that's when I was like, oh, I'm going to nail this guy the next time he comes on the air. 
So uh, you wrote him like a donkey for like, I mean, <laughs> it, I mean, at least because I think you were doing it to him as well when I first went to CBS and left uh, Satellite. And then uh, you, then, and then you know, we kind of lost uh, contact, which was. Uh, I remember being on vacation at my folks' place in Vegas and walking out of their living room because I had gotten a text: "Haro's on. You want to call in?" And I'm, I'm in the front driveway of my parents' condo. Going, What's up? I hear they're making a remake of Braveheart about your head called Bravehead. <laughs> every joke was about how huge his head looked. <laughs> so uh, respectfully, I got 90 seconds. Um, you know, I want to come back and uh, and talk to you about all the funny things you've seen on that show. And you've been at the center of all, all of it. Like there's uh, no one funnier. I, I think that the only people that can even remotely uh, compete with you is uh, Richard and Sal when it comes to prank phone calls. I think some of theirs are uh, like the one they did with Gary uh, where they said that the flu was uh, that that was the funniest they turned it into a cartoon and, and Sal was up <laughs> yeah, Richard <laughs> tripling up his voice is one of my favorite. Find that online. Listen, I have to be careful what I say on here because that was abusive, that cartoon. It was very, uh, yes. it was awful. It was very, it'll get me sued. But I got to tell you, when I watched it, I sent it to my daughter who was uh, 12 and Chop loved it. She showed it to all her friends. She skipped school that day because that was the funniest video ever. But there's only, those are the only guys that can even dance with you when it comes to uh, comedy and prank phone calls and being funny and you with all those whackbackers there is nothing better on earth we'll talk about that with Julie Agar uh, from the Stern Show and his love affair with the Pittsburgh Steelers how that all came to fruition you're watching Coast to Coast we're laughing a lot and we're not even drinking Game Time Decisions the consistency of the Cowboys and the Big D for being the big drama yeah, it's, like, just, it's, it's amazing. For America's team, let's call them out. Uh, gone are the days of uh, Barry Switzer and Jimmy Johnson. The Cowboys are an average football team. Who are they? There's so many. Look at the, look at the Chiefs. Look at the Niners. Look at everybody else. You're America's team? Really? This is a team I think is regressing. Philadelphia take Dallas out to the woodshed, Moretzi. Come on. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life. So I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we going to learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. 
Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on Coast to Coast with the great Shuli Agar. Uh, this is the funniest guy I know, and I like all of my comedic friends. They all make me laugh. Um, I just have always loved comedy. Uh, my whole life, I've loved stand-up comedy. And um, I don't know, like, I never want to offend a comic like you, Shuli. I think we're tight enough bros that I can say anything to you about a comic. And you may hate the comic, uh, and I may like him, and you're just like, you're cool enough to be like, I don't care who you like. But uh, I got to tell you, there's no one that has ever made me laugh ever in my life more than you. I mean, you are demented, and you have a great just an absolutely sickening sense of humor and just abusive and funny and making fun of people. Like, uh, just so people understand, we were in the break and I had to go literally blow my nose because he made my snot shift in my face. (laughs) And then when I came back from doing that, he was making fun of someone and he was so funny that Carver High started losing it in the other room. He was laughing so hard. He's making all of us laugh. Uh, you have no idea how funny this guy is. I have to ask you, like, you know that you're doing funny stuff on Stern and you do all these crazy things like, you know, camping out with these wackos and like in entrenched in their studio apartment or in their slum or in their, you know, personal hell and hygiene disasters and like all these freaks. I mean, you've done everything imaginable. You're very creative. Your mind is uh, demented. You come up with great ideas. I think that that's, in my opinion, your longevity with him, with Howard, is because of your brilliance in that you've come up with so many great bits and so many great interviews. And uh, I don't know what you call it when you're entrenched with these people. Oh, the, em- spent- the embedded? Never, yeah, like, embedded, yeah. I, you know, I can't keep up with all your sophistication. But I know that you... you- get the lingo catalog, Scott? We sent it out to you. <laughs> I didn't get- like, Can we wake Carver up and get him involved in the show today? That would be great. <laughs> so do you have some of them that stand out in your mind as your favorites all time that you've done that you know for a fact made Howard and everyone laugh for real? I mean, there's uh, probably my favorite one was uh, a gentleman by the name of Jeff the Drunk uh, who lives in a he's, he lives in a trailer in Albany uh, alone, not married, shockingly. And uh, he's a bit of an angry guy, upsets a lot of people, and and fancies himself a singer. And he would do these karaoke shows on Periscope for like 12 people, and and he'd just sing on there for hours. And I'm watching him one day at my desk, and I'm thinking, I wonder what would happen if I called his phone in the middle of this karaoke concert. And I didn't know this at the time, but the music was playing through his phone. (laughs) So when I would call... It would just stop the concert cold. <laughs> and he'd, I made him mad. Like, oh, he'd be singing his heart out, and then it just, you know, ring, 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 and he'd be like, what the hell's going on? You know, and he'd get so mad. And, uh, you know, I did that over the course of two days. I, I just, I just wanted him. 
<laughs> he had no idea what was wrong. No, I blocked my number. I I didn't say anything, so he didn't know it was me. He uh, <laughs> loved my show. And then he t- well he called he called me two days later on my cell phone, and he's like, "Listen, <laughs> somebody's messing with me. I haven't figured out who it is yet, but I'm close." <laughs> Until then, I've changed my phone number. <laughs> I just wanted to give it to you real quick. <laughs> so that lasted all of like 20 minutes, and then I finally called the new number. And that's when he just started screaming at me. He made it all clicked, made sense. That's probably my favorite. As what, far as about, uh, what about other ones? Well, I mean, you know, before the Stern Show, I I used to hang in Vegas with these comics, and and there was an AM radio station in Vegas that used to go out of the Union Plaza Hotel. It was 7.20 AM was their call letters, and it was one old guy, three phone lines, no screeners, and we would go from midnight to three in the morning and just terrorize these people, and we... (laughs) We'd be on mushrooms, we'd be stoned, and we would just call. We'd tie up all three lines back to back to back, and just and just pepper these guys, pepper them, call after call. Guys would threaten to call the authorities on us, like just great stuff. They're all on my SoundCloud page on my website, shalomshuli.com. You can listen to all those calls. Who are the authorities? Yeah, like. The, <laughs> Joke police. Like, I don't, like, what are you talking about? It's so dumb. We would call up. We'd go, uh, yeah, you know, uh, uh, you see the story about this guy who left his kid in the car and it died on a summer day? That's ridiculous. I mean, how many babies is it going to take? How many dead babies is it going to take to screw in a light bulb? <laughs> the guy would be like, yeah, no, I, I understand. It was not even listening. And he would hang up, and the next call would be one of us going, uh, it takes five dead babies to. Okay, thank you. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> you know, when uh, you deal with all these other ones, these other uh, people on the radio show, uh, who are who are some of your other favorite ones to mess with? I mean, you know, uh, uh, Jeff and I have a love-hate relationship, so I go out of my way to kind of mess with him. Right. Uh, for the most part, I'm kind of just a sounding board for a lot of these people. Did you but... hear chick? Oh, uh, Tan Mom. Yeah, <laughs> she's a good pal. She's a good friend of mine. Right, uh, and then we have an underdog lady. There's an underdog. Uh, yeah, she's another uh, lovely woman, heart of gold. Uh <laughs> A bit, a bit on the skittish side, but I've developed a real, you know, she's, uh, uh, you know, she's very, that's a lot of, of her. Uh, but yeah, listen, first of all, first and foremost, uh, I love what I do, which is, it's not a job to me. Uh, it's a gift. Uh, this guy, Howard, man, he, he took a guy in me that had zero radio uh, experience other than calling into his show and gave me a shot. And uh, sometimes in life, that's all you need. You meet guys like Scott Farrell, Jay Thomas. These guys had established shows, and they gave me a shot to do something. You did a lot with Jay. Uh, I just, I was devastated when he died. Yeah, man. Yeah, Jay, Jay is, is, was, will ever be so underrated as just an all-around 
performer story. He one of the one of the greatest stories I've ever heard from a comedy club was one that Jay Thomas told me. If you want to hear it, it, yeah. it happened to him. So early on in his career, he started on the show Mork and Mindy with Robin right. Williams. Of course, they had a falling out allegedly over blow. Uh, this is what Jay told me. Um, and uh, so Jay is at the improv one night, and he's sitting kind of near the back. And Robin Williams is on stage, coked out of his mind. He's killing. You know, he's been up there 35, 40 minutes just destroying. Now, these guys don't get along. And in the middle of this set, covered in sweat, Robin Williams looks out in the crowd, and he goes, who is that? Is that Jay? And Jay's sitting there at the table like, uh-oh. And he goes, that is Jay. Guys, I just want to say something. You know, Jay, in my opinion, is one of the funniest people out there today. And I think he's hilarious. Would you guys want to see Jay do some stand-up here tonight? Would you guys like? And Jay's sitting at this table going, what the hell is going on? I don't understand. And he's like, and the crowd's clapping. He goes, Jay, you want to come up? Jay goes, yeah. Jay stands up, and as soon as he stands up, from behind him is a hand on his shoulder, and it's Jay Leno, who was behind him the entire time. <laughs> that's, who Rob, that's who Rob Williams was talking to the whole time. <laughs> and Jay goes, he goes, he's standing up. He goes, I went from having the greatest moment of my life. <laughs> To leading a standing ovation for J.F. and Leno. Like, are you kidding me? And I, I love that story so much, dude. So what about, um, you know, you can't do uh, comedy right now because, of, I mean, stand up in public. You can't go to a yeah. comedy club. How has that uh, destroyed your uh, living and your schedule and your, your you know, you... You were talking about you sell tickets now. You go sell out comedy clubs all over the country. You appear like almost, I mean, my guess is at least 35 weekends a year, you're on the road uh, doing stand-up all over uh, North America, Canada, and the U.S. And uh, how has it, uh, you know, ruined your life? I mean, it. it listen, it can always be worse. Uh, you know, we got our health. I got my family. That's first and foremost. But... You know, I had a I had a big tour booked. It's been going on for close to almost a year, and uh, it's it's based off my album Shulogy. I did. Uh, it's a double album. It's out there anywhere uh, where I did the same set list back to back shows, but the first show I did completely sober, and the second show I got drunk and stoned and tried <laughs> the same material. So that's the double album. Is Shulogy. There's a wasted side and a sober side. I like and, that. Uh, yeah, and 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 it's interesting because you hear the same joke but done two completely <laughs> different ways. It's fascinating. Um, but so this tour was big, man, and and uh, and like I said, you know, I've been selling some tickets finally, and and so I was definitely enjoying it. But uh, I'd be lying if I said, you know, being home. All jokes aside, being home with my family feels really good right now because nobody knows what the hell's going on. Nobody knows what's coming next. So, uh, you know, being, being on the road and doing what I love is great, but you're also traveling 80% of the time. You're in a hotel the other time. You're not very rarely going out and enjoying the town. You know, right. for me, I bring my Xbox cause I know I'm going to be in the road most of the time. Right. So I bring my Xbox to relax and 
yell at 12-year-olds in Iowa who keep killing me <laughs> Call of Duty. Oh, it's so frustrating. Do you, uh, do, does your uh, wife and two daughters freak out when you're gone all the time? And do you, how is your family uh, in response to your comedy? Like, you have to be the funniest dad ever. Yeah, my kids are like, you know, my 10-year-old is a joke machine. She writes uh, so many jokes uh, all day long. Uh, she she was walking around saying Kung Flu fighting before anybody on Twitter. I just want to clarify that. I want to give her writing credit because that's BS. I see a lot of people making money off those memes. My, my kid thought of that first. Uh, my five-year-old's fearless, fearless, and, and they're both – very into comedy. They both, they get it, man. They get that that funny is everything. It's how you snap them out of bad moods, how you snap them out of funks. And uh, in all fairness, like I married a woman that's hilarious. So right, Did she she thinks you're still funny. So far, yeah, but it's mostly when I'm changing in front of her. That's when she laughs the most. Uh, like, am I in shape? She goes, a shape. I go, you know what? I'm not a fan of you. Okay. So let me ask you how uh, it's crazy. I never I, I knew you before you had a girlfriend. I knew you before you had kids. That's yeah. for sure. Uh, have you liked that life? Uh, this life, the married life? Yeah, I love it, man. I can't imagine what a nightmare it would be to start dating right now and to have to listen to somebody and their thoughts on things. Right. Like, are you kidding me? I want to hear your thoughts. I don't want to hear nothing. I finally found somebody I'm compatible with. And by compatible, I mean she puts up with my crap and I put up with her crap. Right. And we and we love each other and nobody's perfect, but we make it work, man. You know, I saw that Sebastian uh, Maniscalco guy. I think he's pretty funny. Sebastian is so funny. I, I remember seeing him when I was living in Vegas. I just started doing stand-up. He was opening for Dice. Uh, I saw him at the Stardust opening for Dice, and I remember him doing a bit about Kmart and how everything's on the, <laughs> everything's on the floor at Kmart. He goes, just what, what are people doing? He's like, do they just look at stuff and go, yeah, I don't need this. And he's just like, tossing stuff. He's like, <laughs> he goes, there was a soccer game in the sports aisle. Go so how, how did you uh, – I got about uh, – I think two and a half minutes. <laughs> how did you in the box? Yeah. How did you? <laughs> how did you become a Steeler fan? And you've maintained that uh, professional standard, I must say. Very inspired by your Steeler fandom. You and I are both the biggest Steeler fans in the world. How did you uh, fall in love with the Steelers? I got two minutes. Uh, I I would have to say that uh, for me, for me, seeing. Uh, Back in, in my day, Kevin Green uh, and Lloyd and those two just destroying people on a, on a weekly basis for me. I mean, I remember seeing the Steel Curtain back in the day on highlights and stuff, not really appreciating the, right. the power and veracity of this team. Right. Uh, but when I was old enough to kind of say, hey, which team am I going to pick to support? It was a no-brainer for me that grab you by your face mask shake your head and just bash your brains in football for me was was everything plus kevin green is a huge wrestling fan i mean come on can't go wrong with that right so uh here's a story for you yeah. uh now uh you'll be excited you remember tr my daddy died 
I got uh, the um, I got the season tickets. Hey, Carver, thanks for the heads up on that, dude. Could have given me a post-it note. I got this. I got the Steelers season tickets now, Shuli. You're gonna have to go to a game with me in Pittsburgh. Oh my God! One of the best experiences ever. That was ruined by the fact that I was with High Pitch Eric and Medicated Pete and uh, Jelly Boots, the three of us sitting around and High Pitch going, "You gonna eat those nachos?" <laughs> did you go to a Steeler game with him? I did. I went to a Steeler game with <laughs> with with those three. Uh, <laughs> And high pitch almost had a heart attack walking to the stadium. I'm sorry that uh, Boots died. He was a good guy. He used uh, to be my used to be my limo driver. Shuli, I love you. You're uh, hilarious. Fans can go to shalomshuli.com. Shalomshuli.com. Shalomshuli on Instagram, Twitter. Thank you. I love you, Scott. I love you, and thank you. Hey, continued success on the Stern Show at SiriusXM. You're a rock star in my book. You're funny as hell. When the uh, Pharrell Demick ends, everybody go see Shuli do stand-up somewhere in North America. Believe me, you'll laugh your ass off. It's Coast to Coast with Shalom Shuli of Las Vegas. Right here, baby. That's what I'm talking about. Check out. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon.